You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Today is the day, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it may as well just still be tomorrow, because it's going to be the longest day in history, which other than the fact that tomorrow's Monday, which means you're just never going to have to go to work again, this is a horrible situation. Because I literally sat down today to do the podcast, and I was like, you know, it, it took me like a half a second to realize, dude, t- today's Sunday. Like, the the Packers are playing the 49ers today. Like, it, it hasn't fully sunk in yet. Like, I, I, it clicked a little bit, but just into first gear. Which I guess is good, because it's 4.15 in the morning, so it's like, eh, you don't really need to get all amped up now. You're going to be all out of energy. So let's just, let let's ease into this. But today we're going to look at... Uh, I, I, I don't know, kind of, I, I guess more big picture stuff. I know we've been doing that a lot, and you've been hearing that everywhere this week because it's kind of a big picture kind of day given the implications of this game. Um, Vikings have a bye week, which is uh, good timing for them because they can't lose a game. Although, that's it's not really true, is it? Depends who they would play, but if, if they are more than likely going to get a win, just based on their record, they would be more than likely then this would be a great opportunity for them to potentially take the lead, which they can't do, so burn. But uh, I'll take a gander at that. I want to briefly explore the hilarious new thing in which apparently the Bears might run the table. <laughs> I, I almost got it out without a, without a little chuckle, but um, I didn't. Maybe the next time when I say it, I won't laugh. So I want to look at that um, world of insanity. What else? Oh, last day of Instagram, so get on there and follow the instructions to last chance to win your Dorsey Levens jersey. Uh, that is going to be cut off at noon central today. I think central. I guess I don't know that for sure. Noonish. We'll call it noonish. Just get it done by noon, all right? Thank you very much to, uh, we'll call him the D-Man for the $5 donation. Actually, he's not anonymous, so Donald, thank you very much for that. Greatly, greatly appreciated. We are currently sitting at $670. Um, again, for anybody that's new, we're I have a GoFundMe set up. It is Packers Fans Against Cancer is the name of it. On Christmas Day, I'm going to be sending this money over, and the money is going to be going to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. So um, if you're able, it's going to a very, very good cause. Also, today is game day, and what I decided to do for fun is 20% off at the uh, Teespring T-shirt sh- store. The t-shirt store. Try to remember to do game day discounts. So head on over to the store, enter GoPackGo in the promo code and get 10% off your order. Otherwise, I think uh, I think that might be it. Oh, one other thing. I'm, I'm, I haven't been pushing um, Patreon at all. Like I said, I'm going to pause that as long as we're doing the GoFundMe. 
However, I have been trying to do some brainstorming because I've had Patreon for a long time and I can never exactly think of what to give back. And every time I think of something, it's something that I don't end up sticking with because I don't have the time. But just, just something to throw it out there, whether you're in it or not, whether you even have any intention of ever joining Patreon or not, if you have any ideas in terms of something that would be kind of cool that I could do, let me know. I figured it would make more sense for you to just tell me what you want than for me to, you know... It's like my wife finally started asking me, what do you want for your birthday? It's like, this is, uh, I like this arrangement. I mean, I love gloves and a bag of beef jerky as much as the next guy, but, you know, maybe we can try to hammer out some of these needs with, with birthday gifts. I don't know. So let me know some thoughts, and I'll put a thread in the Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, get in the Facebook group. Let's take a break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Well, it's not quite Christmas season yet, but it is definitely Christmas buying season. And if you got somebody that you're still trying to figure out what you want to get them, let me just throw out Vivid Seats. Just just a thought. If there's any kind of event that uh, your significant other, child, parent would like, is interested in, concert, theater, football game, basketball game, hockey game, whatever, it's not the worst idea to package up a couple tickets. Plus, you don't even have to get a, 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 a box of something that needs to be wrapped. You just get a little chintzy little card. Slap a couple tickets in it, just throw the card at them, be like, boom, that's all I got you. Sorry, Psh, don't even care about you, right? And that's that's like, this is like a joke we're playing. It's like a prank almost. Bear with me for a second here. Just like, Psh, I don't even care about you, you know? Got you a card, probably not even any money in it. And then they're all disappointed, and then they open up, boom! Tickets to Fiddler on the Roof. Got him! I mean, you know, you fill in, that, that was a blank, you fill in, but... Stick with the got em, because that's, that's crucial. you got to stick that in there. Either way, just download the Vivid Seats app. Peruse it. you got a lot of time. I mean, this could even be in January if you want. I mean, especially if it's a Christmas gift, it might might need to be. I, I, you can figure out the logistics of it. We've got several birthdays coming up in our family, including mine. I'm just saying, if y'all are trying to think about a birthday gift to give me, whatever. But as you already know, you get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, so you can earn Vivid Seats Rewards back on each of your purchases. You get 100% buyer guarantee, and when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's like a wicked rap, dude. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of a rap. Kind of like just trying to get something out on that one breath. Just for something fun to do, I guess. I don't know, but you should check out Vivid Seats either way. Just saying. All right, so let us talk about um, uh, football. Let's talk about football today. By the way, if you're you know doing the 30-second skip thing through the ads, consider stopping that because some of my favorite moments have come in these ad recordings. <laughs> you know, when you do the same one, it's, it's some of the shows only do once a week, so they might only have to record these once through. 
I got to do the same thing every day. And yeah, they'll, they'll send you like a very general, like, here's what you say. Put it in your own words. And it's like, I mean, most people basically just read it word for, I'm going to, I mean, do you, are you sure you want me to put it in my own words? Because that's exactly what I'm going to do. And these have basically just become a part of the show. Because me just rambling about stuff. Anyways, I can't tell you how much I want this to be my full-time job. What do you do for a living? Ramble? I'm going to get business cards, and that's what it's going to say. Rambler. Might even get a t-shirt. Just sell it to myself. Anyways, let's quickly look at some of the other games, just so we get an idea of what's going on. Obviously, the Packers are not playing for a while, but that doesn't mean there are zero consequential games prior to our game. For example, noon games. Right off the bat, Philadelphia Eagles, Seattle Seahawks. Now, Philadelphia is one of those weird teams who I feel like is a better team than their record, kind of like Dallas. I don't know what's going on in the division. Maybe it's partly because they're beating up on each other. I don't, I don't know. Philadelphia is not a bad team. I'm not saying I expect Philadelphia to win, but it is Seattle on the road. It's kind of a long-distance trip. The bad news is Phillies, or excuse me, um, the Seahawks are coming out of a bye, so that's not great. Um, let's see how I can put this in a positive spin here. Uh, the two last wins they've had have actually come in overtime. So the San Francisco 49ers, which, you know, obviously we want to believe that that's a really big win. However, the 49ers haven't really beat anyone the other team they almost lost to was the Buccaneers, where they won in overtime. The game before that they won was the Falcons, which nobody cares. Then they lost to the Ravens. They beat the Browns, nobody cares. They beat the Rams, who they only beat them by one point, and the Rams aren't as good as anybody thought. They beat the Cardinals, nobody cares. They lost to the Saints. They beat the Steelers, who are trash. They beat the Bengals, who are trash. Who is the best team they've beaten this year? I mean, obviously it's the 49ers. Outside of that, I don't think they've beaten a good team this entire year. Not one. Bengals, Steelers... Cardinals, Rams, Browns, Falcons, Buccaneers. I mean, if you want to say the Rams are a good team, cool. I'm just saying, Philly's not that good. This is borderline the best team, you know, outside of, of the 49ers and maybe the Rams. It's not even close. The Eagles are better than the Buccaneers. They're better than the Falcons. They're better than the Browns. They're better than the Cardinals. They're better than the Steelers. They're better than the Bengals. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, Seattle's a good team. But also, let's not forget... I, I've been saying for a long time, I have no idea how they're doing as well as they're doing because their their roster is not that good. And I'm very impressed with their quarterback, who is having, who is who has been a good quarterback for a long time, is maybe having one of the best years of his career, which is saying a lot. Very impressed with Pete Carroll, who's able to continually find ways for them to win. But I still think their record is overinflated. And when you look at the teams they've beaten, I'm just saying I expect Seattle to win. Not impossible that they lose here. In fact, and as much as I'd like them to beat Minnesota, just looking at their record, Philadelphia is not a guarantee. The Vikings are probably the best team they're going to play, including the 49ers, because I just, I genuinely, we'll see, but, I, you know, eh. So they could lose to the Vikings. They play the Rams again, and I know they already beat the Rams, but again, they beat the Rams by one point, and that was at home. This is on the road. Then they play Carolina on the road. In fact, they have four of their, or three of their next four games are on the road. Travel to Philly, go all the way back from Minnesota, then play L.A., which is close, then go all the way back out to the East Coast to play Carolina. Then you come back and beat Arizona, and then you play San Francisco at home. We'll see what happens. I think Seattle's in for a couple beatings. Just saying, I kind of hope it starts this week. That's all I'm saying. Detroit and Washington, I, you know, I think we're, well, we got to play both teams. So I, I just want it to be a really terrible team because neither one of them is a threat in any capacity you know, I mean, we, we could start talking about run the table. If they win six games in a row, they would be 9-6-1 and one, and still third in the division. 
which really is the hilarious part about this whole run the table thing that we'll get to in a minute. It's almost as if they forgot that the Packers and Vikings are still in the division. I, I think the biggest thing that I would like to see is I, I really want Washington to, to win, and not just because you know D- Detroit is in the division, but I want Detroit to be that bad. Because that, that that if I'm worried about one of these two teams, it's Detroit. Because it's Detroit. I mean, look, we, we can sit here and laugh at them all we want. We almost lost to Detroit. We, as a general rule, over the last several years, these have been tough battles. I'm not going to just assume, well, you know, now they're just the worst team in the world. No, not, I'm not assuming that. We, that's not a guaranteed win. And I'd like this to be as guaranteed as possible. Now, the biggest issue with all this is that Matt Stafford's not playing, and presumably he will be back for the Packers game. That's definitely not guaranteed, and they may just hold him out because what's the point? But still. So, in a way, it's it's almost kind of a big game, because if Washington can crush Detroit's spirit a little bit and get Detroit so beaten and battered and bloodied, if by the time they play the Packers, they've only got three wins, and he's just coming off of his injury, are you going to bother putting him in? Like, are you going to risk injuring him further so that you can be 4-11-1? and what four, eleven and one? So, yeah, I want Washington to win a lot. I don't want them to look competent when they win. Just, you know, I just want it to be that the Detroit Lions are so bad. Does that make sense? Oakland and the Jets are kind of irrelevant, other than the fact that Oakland is about to be 7-4. and four. What in the world is going on there? By the way, I've been holding off on my criticism of John Gruden. I've been saying for a while I want all of this to work because this is what a guy is supposed to do. The reason people don't come in and just rip everything down to the bare bones and rebuild it is because you're going to presumably be really bad for a while, and they don't want to risk getting fired. But because he is simultaneously the coach and the GM, and he signed this massive tenure contract, he has no fear of getting fired whatsoever. He can do things the way he wants to do things, the way every coach and GM would want to do things, but don't because they're terrified of losing their job. So I respect that. Here's the thing, though. He hasn't even begun the rebuild. I mean, he, he kind of did. He had a bunch of draft picks, and, you know, his, his pass rusher is trash. And bottom line, their, their roster is still garbage. And look what they're doing. I mean, I, I would love for everybody laughing at John Gruden to just kind of stop and look at this and tell me, is he still a joke? Like, I, I, I fully believe Mike Mayock is a joke. I'm, I'm going to stand by that. I mean, I, I like Mike Mayock as a TV personality. As a GM, I believe he's a joke, based on what I have heard from sort of inside people who know the scouts that walked out of the rooms saying this guy's a joke. When your own scouts are saying that this GM who's supposed to be above us does not know how to scout, it's not a good thing for the organization. But they get the news media on their side, which is a massive benefit. You know, I'm sure Mike Mayock will learn stuff over the course of his, you know, how to how to actually scout and stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to be me. He just, he just legitimately does not know how to do it. He was a football player. He played professional football for one year in 1981. Then he went to play in Canada because he didn't even finish out his year with the Steelers. He played two years with the Giants, like I think as the pra- as a practice squad guy. Then the NFL went on strike. Then he tore his rotator cup. And then because he went to school at Harvard, he decided, you know what, I'm going to get into real estate. So he goes from Harvard to playing a couple games in the pros to selling commercial real estate to being on television talking about football to GM of the Oakland Raiders. It's kind of a... So they're, you know... (laughs) I guess. And, you know, obviously he's learning a lot of stuff, but I I just want to be clear, because I know Mike Mayock is one of the most respected guys on television, and rightly so, because he's, he's smarter than a lot of the other guys who have never done anything regarding anything with football other than be on television. 
but we kind of act as though Mike Mayock is like, a, he used to be a GM and he was all these things and he was a football player. Like he's got 17 years of NFL experience. No, he's, he's got basically zero. He played it a little bit and then he's on television. So when I tell you that he goes and gets a GM job and his scouts are basically looking at him like, what are you talking about? You're a dummy. And then they fire the entire scouting, everybody on, on their team because there's basically a, an uprising which everybody else around the NFL started poaching these guys because these are very, very good scouts that only got fired because they didn't like Mayock. Anyways, I'm, I'm rambling here, but it's kind of a mess. But the, the whole point that I'm trying to get here, John Gruden, he doesn't have a GM. I mean, he's, he's technically the GM anyways, but he, he doesn't have like a legitimate GM that's good at his job. He doesn't have a really good quarterback. He doesn't have pass rushers. He doesn't have wide receivers. His offensive line is pretty mediocre. He doesn't really have a defensive line or linebackers or safeties or... But they're going to be a seven-win team, seven and four, after they, you know, stomp out the Jets. It just, just blows my... I mean, as far as... And the reason I'm kind of fascinated by this is I try to understand, like, big-picture stuff. And I'm getting a lot better at it since I've been doing this podcast and understanding, you know, kind of seeing things coming because I understand how things work. Oakland is its own little case study because I don't know what is going on over there other than to say John Gruden's a genius, which nobody wants to say because a lot of people are still in the... Like John Gruden's a joke phase, because he, he's a you know a caricature. You know, people mock the way his faces look and all this stuff. But let's also not forget when I did a an episode talking about um, Matt Lafleur and how historic it would be if they won a Super Bowl, because I think the only team ever in the history of football to go from having a losing record to getting a new head coach and that head coach taking you to a Super Bowl and winning it was John Gruden. Only coach, I believe, was the summary. I don't remember. Probably should. It was half the reason I did the thing to begin with. But the, there was only one time in history a person took over as a head coach, the team had a losing record, and then they went on to win a Super Bowl. I believe it was the very next year. Maybe it was two years. I don't know. There were, there were about five or six coaches who took over and won Super Bowls in their first year, but they took over winning teams basically after a guy got fired or retired because of whatever reason. So it was already a really good team, and they just, you know, they were able to get them to the Super Bowl. So again, coming back to the point, John Gruden is really Im- impressing me so far. And we'll see how it goes, but it's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's similar to what Seattle's doing, except he doesn't have Russell Wilson, and, I mean, he just he came out of nowhere. Apparently he's been paying attention because whatever he's doing is work. Either that or he's such a throwback that nobody knows how to handle this. Either So either he, he came in and he actually has been paying attention and he put together a scheme that fits in perfectly with today's NFL or he's still running like the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers or 2002 he took over. And actually that's not correct. Tampa was 9-7 and seven the year before. Whatever. But yes, he took a 9-7 and seven team to win the Super Bowl. But he either he's, he's got a newer updated thing or he's running the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense and it's working because nobody knows how to stop a 2002 team anymore. I don't know what's happening, but it's, it's very interesting. And he should move on from Mike Mayock. Although again, the media stuff is really good. Because if you notice like how they're all super big on like Oakland being really smart and these are great draft picks, please just understand it's because Mike Mayock is their friend. You get that, right? The reason everybody's telling you that Mike Mayock is a great GM and all these are great draft picks and everything with Oakland is fantastic is because he, they, they've got the media in their back pocket. It's just, anyways, like Daniel Jeremiah is not going to come out and say Mike Mayock is doing a bad job. Does that make sense? Carolina and New Orleans. Another very, very important noon game for us because we're battling for NFC supremacy and the New Orleans Saints are 8-2. and two. 
the Saints coming into this year were my pick for best team in football, basically, and my pick to win the Super Bowl. I mean, outside of the, the, the easy pick is the Patriots, but outside of the Patriots, this was my pick for best team in football. However, um, you know, again, and, and maybe it's just because there's so many bad teams that nobody's really beaten a lot of good teams. I mean, you can kind of do this with the Packers and the Vikings and with everybody. But, you know, again, they, they beat the Bucks, not very impressive. They beat the Cardinals, who cares? They beat the Bears, who cares? They beat the Jaguars, who cares? They beat the Buccaneers, who cares? They did beat Dallas, which is great, but they beat them 12-10. It's not that impressive. They beat the Seahawks, which is solid, except, you know, is it? I mean, it, it, it was in Seattle, so they're getting credit for that no matter what. But that was 33-27. That was very close. They lost to the Rams, who aren't all that great, and they lost 9-27. to And they beat the Texans, who are pretty decent, but, you know, whatever. So they've won a, a couple good games, and, and, and every single one of them was very close. Again, Houston, they won by two. Um, well, Seattle, they won by six. Dallas, they won by two. And they lost to the Rams and the Falcons. They're a good team. I think the point is, if you're playing the Carolina Panthers, who are you know better than the Buccaneers, better than the Cardinals, better than the Bears, better than the Jaguars, better than the Buccaneers again, you're probably not 8-2. and two. You might be 6-4, and 7-3. and three. I think that would be kind of an interesting metric to create. What would your record be against a team that has a certain record? I'm going to look into that. Not that you would know for sure, but you could you could figure that out. I can figure that out. Needless to say, we're, we're rooting for the Carolina Panthers in this game. The Saints are minus 10, which I think is just absolutely absurd. PFF has them minus 11.1. Why? They won two games by 10 or more points. Eh, no, it was three, and they were recent games. But they beat the Texans by two, lost to the Rams, beat the Seahawks by six, Cowboys by two, Buccaneers by seven, Jaguars by seven, Bears by 11, which PFF has it at 11.1, and then absolutely spanked the Cardinals and uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know, man. That's, 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 that's too much for me. I mean, saying the Saints are going to win, fine. They probably will. By 10 or more? Yeah. I don't know about that, Chief. Certainly wouldn't take that bet. But that's an important noon game. Uh, Miami-Cleveland, don't really care. See, it's it's weird because part of me wants Miami to win because I want to laugh at Cleveland, but I don't even know where that came from because I used to root for Cleveland. Something has happened, like from a from a PR standpoint of mind, it's really kind of interesting because I feel like most people kind of liked Cleveland insofar as you really respected their fans and you wanted them to just have one. Something has happened this year that everybody hates Cleveland. Which is weird. Like, everybody hates Baker because he's just kind of a doof. I said doof with an F. I mean, I, I kind of like Baker. I mean, I liked him coming out of college. I liked his his demeanor and attitude, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. And then Odell Beckham, nobody likes because he's just a cocky, arrogant person and everybody's enjoying watching him not have a good year. Maybe it's the fact that they went out and bought everyone and just thought that they were going to dominate everyone and it's just not working. And I, I, it, it almost, like, it didn't even occur to me that Miles Garrett played for the Browns until I talked to a Browns fan yesterday and was just, we were just talking about the draft and I mentioned how they, you know, you know, I was like, well, you're going to get Javon Kinlaw because you're going to need a pass rusher now that you lost Miles Garrett. And it dawned on me, they might actually be losing Miles Garrett, like losing, losing, probably not. But just imagine that the, the Browns have been terrible since forever. Imagine being a fan of theirs for 20 years or, you know, if you're my age and you've been a fan for 30-ish years, and they've always just been a really terrible team, I'm sure a couple little spikes in there, maybe, I don't know, and you finally feel like you got something. You got Baker, and man, they just, you got John Dorsey, which is huge, and then you, you just you get all this stuff, 
and you watch it fall apart in front of you, and then your premier pass rusher, one of the biggest up-and-coming stars, pass rushers in the league, hits somebody with a helmet, and people are talking about done forever. He legitimately has to appeal his way back into the NFL because he's suspended indefinitely. In other words, he doesn't have to come back ever. In fact, something has to happen in order for him to be allowed back in ever. What a horrible thing. I mean, I... It just it, it just dawned on me like how horrible this was for Browns fans, and I instantly started feeling bad again. So I, I guess I want the Browns to win. Although they're defend a lot of them are defending Miles Garrett, which makes me want him to lose. I don't I don't know. For those people, I want him to lose because don't defend Miles Garrett. What is wrong with you? But for the for the just diehard Browns fans that have been sticking it out for years, who thought they were going to get something, I, is there a way to split the wins depending on the fan? I don't know. I, I guess you could say I would be ha- It would make me smile if Miami won. But there, then I would think about a couple of these diehard Browns fans, and it would make me sad. But um, I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't matter. Same with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. I mean, it is is uh, is the ultimate do for the universe playing? I mean, look, look. I'm I'm on his side insofar as you know he shouldn't be suspended. That's ridiculous. He got hit with a helmet. He talk about bad luck. The dude got ear holed, had to get dragged off the field got a massive concussion, came back, won like three in a row, and then gets smoked with his own helmet. Like, the dude is getting brutalized. His own team wouldn't even come to help him. But I just, he doesn't seem like a super likable guy. Even the way he handled it was kind of like, I mean, he shouldn't have come out with a written apology. That was dumb. But at the same time, like, you you guys were fighting. Like, you did kind of start the fight, which isn't suspendable. But, like, if you get into a fight with a guy and he hits you with a helmet, my response would be like, look, man, things got heated, stuff happened. I mean, obviously, you can't hit people with helmets. And um, I'm not super thrilled about that. He just took it too far, right? Like, we were fighting, it got heated, and he just took it too far. That's, I don't know, that would be my thought. And he comes out like the ultimate victim. It just, he's just a doof. That's my word of the day. He's a doof. I don't like him. Still shouldn't be suspended just because he's a doof. Maybe I should have weekly doof awards. I kind of like that. Um, speaking of uh, doof awards, my first ever doof award which, you know, we'll, we'll say that that was Miles, I don't know his name, who cares, he's a doof, the quarterback for the Steelers, he won it last week or two weeks ago or whatever, the um, the ultimate doof award, which is uh, permanent, he gets to keep it forever, the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, talking about Mitchell Trubisky, um, I want the Giants to win, just because, because they're the Giants, and they're one of the worst teams in football, and I want them to beat the Bears, because I don't feel bad for Bears fans, the Bears fans have gone through something similar to the Cleveland Browns, I don't care, I have no respect for the Bears fans whatsoever no offense i got some bears fans that listen i just I, I i don't like the chatter i don't like all the talk i don't like how you guys got all cocky because one year you were good and we had to hear all off season about how great you are the packers are done they're over with you guys forgot your place you got a little carried away and now you're gonna suffer for it and i'm very happy about that you and i got khalil mack oh we're so great that was the worst decision you could ever make khalil mack isn't even that good anymore you overpaid for him you're stuck with his garbage contract you gave away all your first round picks you can't even replace mitch trubisky you got a garbage gm your head coach got exposed your quarterback is literally the worst in football my um khalil mack is useless you lost vic fangio and your defense fell off it's still good but it's not what it was you can't do anything, and the ultimate just smack in the mouth would be a loss to the Giants. That that would just solidify it. And 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 listen, I don't listen to Chicago radio, but I know the reputation. I grew up in Illinois. I understand it's very very angry. You guys expect to be the best at everything, and the reason you're so angry is because you have expectations of we should win Super Bowls every year, and you know the Stanley Cup and the World Series, and every, we should win everything every year because we're the greatest city in the world. 
despite the fact that you are literally the worst city, not in the world, but in probably in the... Well, no, L.A.'s bad. I mean, talking as somebody who fled Illinois when I graduated, I can speak firsthand about how terrible that general city is. It's garbage. I mean, I, listen, I respect the food. Massive respect for the food. You guys are terrible. Your sports are terrible. The crime is terrible. The taxes are terrible. Your politicians are all literal gangsters. Literal Right, remember, I grew up there. I watched the news in the morning. I had to. Go to school. Parents are up watching the news. You're stuck watching it. Literal mobsters. I'm not speaking in generalities here. All politicians are crooks. No, no, no. I'm talking actual. I, 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 just, I, I loathe the whole state. If we could put a giant wall, get Trump to build one of those walls around the state, I could sign off on that one. Or at least Chicago. Because I think the rest of the state would like to be protected from Chicago and the garbage politicians you guys have there. Although it's not really going to matter because everyone's fleeing anyways. It's basically going to be an empty state with a bunch of people living in Chicago who can actually make enough money to afford living there with the politicians who are just jacking up taxes and ruining the city. So maybe we could just build a, a border wall between Wisconsin and Illinois to keep you all from, from bringing all that crime up here. Because I also grew up in Kenosha and I know what that's about. Everything about you, everything about your team, everything is trash. I'm not talking about you as a person. If you want to relinquish it and say, you know what, you're right, horrible state, horrible city, horrible team, I'm no longer a Bears fan. In fact, I'd like to move to Wisconsin, um, become a Packers fan. Hey, open arms here, my brother. Come on in. The water's fine. But if you're going to sit there in your filth, literal filth, because that's what Chicago and Illinois are, filth, and talk about us and the Packers and actually, actually, literally, look down your nose at the Green Bay Packers, which is the most hilarious thing ever. Vikings fans and Bears fans love to look down their nose. And, and by the way, Vikings fans, you're calling Packers fans rednecks? Are you kidding me? Dude, you, you, your team is based in Minnesota. Half of Wisconsin is basically Illinois. The other half is basically Minnesota. The redneck part of Wisconsin is the Minnesota part. What are you even talking about? Both of you guys are a bunch of dummies. And both of you guys have garbage football teams who always have been and always will be trash. I don't know what the Packers are going to do this year, but I know the Bears are not going to run the table because that's a joke. Your team is bad, you bunch of dummies. Run the, ta- run the table with what? Well, the Packers did it that one time. They- yes, they did. First of all, let's all say one time to each other out loud. One time. You know why? Because the Packers did it one time. And it's the only time anybody can think of a time when something like this happened, although it's probably happened in the past. The bottom line is it's very, very rare. Let's also remember that we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, right? Eddie Lacy. I mean, you could laugh at the fact that he's fat and all that. He was a good running back. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Does that ring a bell? Jared Cook, Ty Montgomery, James Starks. So yes, the Packers were four and six. They went on to win out the rest of the year, go 10-6, and six, and make it into the playoffs. Here's the thing, though. They won out and still needed a little bit of help because 10-6 and six is not a, a guarantee of anything. Here's the other problem. They played Philadelphia, scored 21 points. They scored 21, or excuse me, 27, 21, 38, 30, 38, and 31. The last four games, they scored more than 30 points. I'm trying to find one parallel here. By the way, the Packers beat the Bears twice that year. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Already behind the eight ball on that one. The, 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 but here's the thing. There is no parallel. Your team basically, it, it was somewhat of a fluke. And let, let me lay this out for you because I, I don't think, I think this caught you by surprise because you should have been listening to this podcast 
a long time. I, I could have, I, I, I did lay this out for you, but you weren't listening. So let me just do this for you. And I, listen, this is what I like to do. Analyze things as they are, because part of the fun of football is analyzing the process. Now, as a Packers fan, I just want to be great all the time. But there's something to respect about the, the process of, okay, here's where we are. How do we get to way up there? I mentioned just to the point of nausea, no, two things about the Bears that Everybody listening will hear this and roll their eyes because I said it so many times nobody wants to hear me say it anymore. Number one, I said over and over and over. I did about four podcasts specifically dedicated in the offseason to how bad Mitch Trubisky is. Mitch Trubisky is a bad quarterback. Nobody wanted to listen, but I told you all that. Again, I'm just laying out my bona fides so that you understand that I can actually help you. Don't listen to your sports talk garbage. They don't know what they're talking about. They think you're great and you're going to run the table. They're a bunch of dummies. Let me help you out. I'll tell you what you need to start rooting for. Number two, I told everybody that this defense was overinflated. It was a bubble about to burst. Because if you just look at the individual components, you had half of your defense playing at an unsustainably high level. Guys who are never, ever, ever going to be able to stay at that high of a level. Because essentially, let's look at it from a PFF standpoint. You got a bunch of guys that are, just to give you an idea what it looks like, anybody, Akeem Hicks. And I'm just making these up, but I'll go look at them if, if we need to go there. His, his grade would be something to the effect of 71, 75, 72, and then this year, 91. He's not a 91-type player. He's a 72-type player. But something crazy is going on. And that, that was half the defense looked that way. These are good, not great players who are playing at an elite level. That is entirely unsustainable. Even if Vic Fangio stays, it's unsustainable. But the moment he left, it was game over. Because whatever magic secret sauce was making these guys, Prince of Mukamura was the best example because he's got about 11 years of being a good, not great, somewhat mediocre football player who is suddenly, I think, like a top 10, possibly top 5 corner in the NFL. Unsustainable. Everything about the Chicago Bears was unsustainable. The best thing you guys had going for you outside of this unsustainable defense was Matt Nagy in the offense and the fact that his offensive scheme was dragging this offense with zero talent to multiple wins. Now, what I didn't even see coming was the fact that the NFL was not only going to figure out Mitch Trubisky, and I, I don't even know that I'm on the bandwagon of, of Matt Nagy's bad. I don't know that I buy that. Maybe he is. Bears fans seem convinced of that. I think part of it is because they don't want to admit Mitch Trubisky's bad. They want to say, no, it's not his fault, it's Nagy's fault. But I'll, I'll go along with that ride for you. If Matt Nagy's been exposed, you're beyond done. Because uh, one of the things that makes a great team is, is, at the very least, a quarterback and head coach tandem. And if you could offload Mitch Trubisky and bring in a good quarterback, and you've got this offensive-minded, great, brilliant quarter, uh, coach, and then you still got a remnant of a really good defense, depending on your, your GM's ability to not give away all your draft picks and possibly draft one or two good players, unlike Roquan Smith, by the way, which is another one I told you all, he wasn't that good. Coming out of college, I said, I don't get it. First year in the league, I said, he's not that good. Oh, yes, he is. Okay. Now it's year two, and he's still just kind of... But, you know, I'm a dummy. I don't know what I'm talking about. Easily the best linebacker in the draft. What are you talking about? Nobody that a quarterback knocks backward is the best quarter linebacker in the draft. I don't care how fast he is. So, so the bottom line is you guys are in rebuild mode. And unfortunately, your GM being as garbage as he is, and I understand the media gave him some kind of an award and that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, but what you need to do is not worry about that media accolades. Don't worry so much about everybody else. Right? Don't be those people who buy a car you can't afford to drive around to impress people. That's what you guys are doing right now when you buy into the media hype about how great you are. What you should have been doing all along is ignoring them and saying, look, we got some serious problems here. Hopefully we win a Super Bowl because this is just not going to go on for very long. 
you need a John Gruden-style teardown and rebuild. Now, not necessarily the defense, although you've got a bunch of guys that are kind of, number one, overpriced, which, I mean, talk about overpriced. You guys are spending money like a bunch of, I guess we'll just say doofs, because that's the word of the day. But, oh, my goodness, the, the amount of money you're giving to guys that have no business making as much money as they are is just ridiculous. Not as bad as the Vikings, but, you know, you guys are bad. Find your way out of some of these contracts. Stop trying to buy wide receivers. That strategy has never worked. The, the, who was it? The the bank, the uh, Baltimore Ravens were doing that for like five years. Never works. Just draft one. Draft a wide receiver. Again, I know you don't have a first-round draft pick, and last year you drafted a wide receiver, and you had to wait till like round six because that was like your, what, your second or, th- or third pick. Oh, let me just summarize this. You thought you were in buying mode and you should have been in selling mode. So you bought everything up, you lost all your draft picks, and now you're a bad team and you don't have any draft picks. Because you you misread it. You thought that this was all in time and it was not all in time. Because you went all in on Mitch Trubisky. That's the long story short. So now you need to tear down and rebuild, but the problem is you don't have any tools to rebuild. I.e. you don't have much draft space, depending on who you decide to cut. And um, you definitely don't have draft picks. So I I don't really know how to help you other than to say you're in probably a two-year rebuild unless you can really nail a quarterback in the second round, which is not impossible. Maybe, you know, if you tank hard enough, you can get a guy like Fromm or Eason or something, maybe early second, maybe. Knowing your GM, you'll probably try to trade up into the first to get a quarterback. Although you guys, yeah, you dummies still think Trubisky's a good quarterback, so I don't know, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm just trying to help you. You do whatever you got to do. If you want to actually know what's going on with your team, you're welcome back here anytime. I'll be happy to tell you what's going on with the Bears. It's going to be with a little twinge of sarcasm and attitude. But just understand, I'm going to give you the honest answer. Or you can just tune into your angry AM radio and they don't, you know, tell you everything's great and then the Bears lose and then everything's horrible and it's just this giant emotional pendulum because Chicago sports radio is a bunch of 13-year-old girls. They should all be put on bipolar medication. It's just, it's ridiculous. We're going to win the Super Bowl! Fire everybody! <laughs> I just, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just uh, disdain. And I, I didn't even used to dislike the Vikings so much, but there, there's so much jabbing going on. Just running, flapping the gums, man. You're not winning a Super Bowl. And I know the Vikings aren't even playing, but let, let's, let's, just, let's just flesh this out. The Vikings are very close to where the Bears were last year. You're pushing as hard as you can, right? You're, you're overspending on guys because you're just trying to keep this thing from falling apart. You've got guys that are getting old. You've got guys that are, that are overpriced. And, and you're stretching your budget as thin as you possibly can to try to keep the guys that you've got. And that's fine, but it's not a long-term strategy. This is a short-term strategy. And the problem is, again, you're going all in with a guy that can't get you there. And so you've got a year, maybe two years, to try to make this thing work before you got to tear it down, which just so happens to be the amount of time that you have Kirk Cousins. So right around the time that you get a new quarterback is the time that you're going to have to start restructuring things, getting rid of some of these core pieces. All the while, you still can't build an offensive line, although you're kind of getting there. But you're going to start losing some of these defensive pieces. It's just, it's it's not going to work, man. The, the, listen, the Packers aren't even supposed to be on a run this year. Next year is kind of supposed to be the year. This is just like testing out the, the new car. This is a test drive of this new team that is going to be around for the next five years. For four years. This, this literally, the, the team that you see that's beating you right now, four years. Adrian Amos, uh, Billy Turner, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, they were given four-year contracts. They're 26 years old. They're only 26. Kenny Clark's like 19 years old. <laughs> He's not literally, but it's just he doesn't age. Darnell Savage, who we just drafted. Jair is very young. Kevin King is very young. Aaron Rodgers is going to be around for another four or five years. Aaron Jones is young. David Bakhtiari is about to get an extension. 
Elton Jenkins is a rookie. Devontae Adams is going to be getting another extension in the next couple of years. I mean, nobody that you're afraid of with the Packers is a is a short-term thing. These are all long-term players, with the exception maybe of Brian Balaga. is the only talented piece that's going to be gone in the next two, three years. So, so all the building blocks are there, and then they're just going to keep adding through free agency in the draft. This is entirely different from all three teams in the division. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you how this thing works. So, I mean, if we want to have this short-term vision of, ooh, who's better, the Packers or the Vikings? Yeah, it's pretty close, man. You never know. I don't know who's going to win the division. Maybe the Vikings, maybe the Packers. Long-term vision. Over the next three to four years, who has the best chance of winning a Super Bowl? It's not even close. It's not even close. It's the Packers by a long shot. I mean, you know, the, the, the Vikings, again, they're in the same situation as the Bears because this is a short-term vision that the Vikings are on. The idea of we're just going to hang on to these guys as long as we possibly can with whatever money that we can to try to push in, I mean, cool. And that, I mean, that doesn't even look at the fact of what happens if Rashawn Gary becomes a good pass rusher. What does that even mean? So, so the Bears are in, in a mode where they just need to tear this thing down. The Lions are in teardown mode. The Vikings are in, maybe we can squeeze out one or two more years of the guys we got before we're in teardown mode. The, the Packers are at the bottom, they're at the bottom rung of a rebuild. This is year one of a rebuild. And, and basically the team is already rebuilt. And it's just a matter of continually building on these pieces. And everybody's already long-term. Again, this, this is just, this is training wheels time. This is the first year of just, let's just try this out. We got it's a, it's a Matt LaFleur's first year. They're just figuring out how the offense works. They don't even know how to make this thing work yet. Again, this is just a test drive. And we're winning in the division. And you guys are flapping your lips? About what? You're losing to the Packers, who are just starting to rebuild this thing. First-year head coach, second-year defensive coordinator. Half the team is rookies and free agents. Half the team, especially on defense, half the defense is brand spanking new guys. Never been here before. Never worked with Mike Pettin before. I mean, I, I understand part of, you know, having a rivalry or whatever is to be all huffy and stuff. Just understand what what we're actually talking about here. Th- this is this is on the order of when the Packers lost Brett Favre and it was expected to be dark days, and it turns out Aaron Rodgers is a freak and they have many, many more years of success and everybody else in the division is like, oh, crud, here we go again. This isn't the same thing because it's not as many years, but we're still talking about four more years. And it happened like that, right? There were a couple of years where things were trending downward and we wish we would have picked up on it earlier and whatever. But it was basically like two bad years, one of which was because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So officially one bad year of Packers play. And then boom, new GM, new defensive coordinator, new, 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 new offensive this and that. And we're back. And we're winning the one year of let's fix this and boom, we're back on top. And we got Bears and, and Vikings fans still talking about all oh, the Packers stink and back. Blah, blah, blah. No, dude. The Packers just dominate the division. That's it. And yeah, may, maybe you're going to win the division. That's cool. Guess who's going to be better next year and the next year and the next year? Packers are going to stay on top. So I would implore you, Vikings fans in particular, not that you have any control of the team or I do or whatever, but if you're going to win the division, you better do it this year. That's all I can tell you. This is a very good opportunity. And it may be your last one for a while. So. Please, if you're, if you're going to do it, get it out of your system now. If you're ever going to hoist a trophy, this is your year. Again, maybe you got another year and you, and you next year. I don't know. I'd have to look a little closer. That's more of an off-season type thing to analyze. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It, uh, clock is ticking. I mean, not for us, but, but for you it is. Anyways, I forgot to take it. I've, I've been forgetting the second breaks. So let's take a break now, and we'll go through the rest of the games and whatever. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, that felt good. Let's continue on. Uh, Denver and Buffalo, nobody cares. I want Denver to win just because I want to expose the fact that Buffalo's not that good. On the other hand, I do desperately want somebody in the AFC East to be good at something, so maybe Buffalo being good wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't know. I Who cares? Tampa and Atlanta, I really want Tampa to win because I'm there's a there's a part of me that's scared that Atlanta's back, not that even if they run the table it's going to matter. But, you know, I mean I'm we've seen what a good Atlanta team is and I'm just confused as to why Atlanta ever got bad to begin with other than they need a head coaching change. And I understand there's pieces and components, they need a pass rush, they need this or that, but there's no reason for a team that was unstoppable to completely fall off, especially their offense. We don't have a pass rusher. How do you go from the best offense I've ever seen, like, ever since maybe, I don't know, last year's Chiefs or 2011 Packers, whatever, I mean, just unstoppable offense to we can't do anything because you don't have a pass rusher. That doesn't make sense. So Tampa smacking Atlanta back down and them being useless would be great. Jacksonville, Tennessee, just two of the most teams I can think of. And I, I know there's teams that are worse. But I just feel like it's just it just feels like a mess. I mean, there are certain things because I like analogies. Think about like a a knot when you're fishing. Right, there's a knot in your fishing line, and there's some that are just so bad that it's like nope, and you just take out the snippers, snip it, and just pull out some more line, good to go. These are just it's like it's not that bad, but you know you probably should just cut the line, but you just don't want to. Because it's like, I can get it. But you're not going to get it, man. Both of these teams are just like, I don't even know what you do here. They're just stuck in that... I mean, let let, let me put it this way. The Cincinnati Bengals being 0-10 right now is the best thing that's happened to the Bengals that I can remember in the last 10 years or whatever. I I don't remember anything even ever being better for the Bengals than this. The problem with the Bengals is that they've been mediocre for so long. They've been picking at pick 12, 13, 14, 15 for 10 years with a quarterback that's just good enough, but is kind of terrible. They've had flashes of really good defenses, you know, flashes of, of course, A.J. Green, and, and just just enough to keep them at the status quo, which apparently is what all they want anyways, just enough to get to sell tickets and make money and not get fired. Just pathetic. Being 0-10 is exactly what this team needs because they just need a fresh start. Now, the, the biggest problem that they have is <laughs> Chase Young because the smart thing to do is... This, you've always needed this. You've needed to tank. You're right at that point when you need to get rid of Andy Dalton. You need a new quarterback. This is this is perfect. It's a great quarterback year. Elite-level quarterbacks. You need a quarterback. You're 0-10. You get the first pick. Everything's perfect, but there's this little enticement. What about Chase Young? Best pass rusher the NFL's seen in, in 10 years. Maybe one of the best of all time. Don't take the bait. 
Now, even national media people are out there saying, oh, yeah, you can't pass on Chase Young no matter what. No, I don't care who it is. Nobody's passing on him. Great. Don't take the bait. This is not going to fix your team. A good pass rusher is not going to fix your team. You don't have a quarterback. Nobody ever got dragged to the Super Bowl by a pass rusher. Ever. You can't sack your way to 30 points. It's not a thing. Don't take the bait. Let the people who have the second pick, which, by the way, the Giants need to continue losing the rest of the year because if they can get Chase Young, it's game over, man. I've been on this bandwagon of the Giants aren't that bad for some time. If they get Chase... Oh, 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 oh. it's also another reason why I don't want... I don't want the Detroit Lions to lose too many games because, that you know, that, that would be a nightmare. Let's keep Chase Young as far away from us as possible. That's actually something else to consider. I want Detroit and Chicago to win just enough games to get a mediocre pick. Because if, if they're high enough to where, you know, all of a sudden Detroit gets Tua or something to that effect, you know, maybe they're not even that good at quarterbacks anyways. I just watched a college game yesterday. I was watching, I think, Jerry Judy. I'm trying to get the wide receiver list down. And man, it was just, Tua was not doing him any favors. I know it's just one game, but it's like, what what is the appeal here? This guy is not good. But, you know, it's, it's one game. Even Jerry Judy was, was probably not his best game either. But that's that's another aspect here. Let's not want Detroit and Chicago to lose too many games that they end up getting Chase Young and Tua. Like, that's, that's, that's a nightmare scenario. Chicago gets Tua and Detroit gets Chase Young. But anyways, Tennessee and Jacksonville, they're, they're just stuck in a rut. Tennessee needs a new quarterback to kind of rejuvenate. They, they've got enough decent talent to where a good quarterback can get them solidly above 800 get them to the point where they can sneak into the playoffs. And if you can continue slowly building, I don't know enough about their GM to know if they have any talent. It doesn't seem that way. They don't seem to be drafting very well. But there's something there. In Jacksonville, I just, I don't know, man. I feel like their whole team is being propped up by this banged-up running back that's just a bruiser that's about to just be done because he's getting beat up so bad. Defense is slowly falling apart. You don't have a quarterback. It's just, it's a mess. I don't know. I I don't envy either of those fan bases. That's just terrible. Uh, Dallas and New England. I know I'm probably in the minority, but I want Dallas to win. I mean, and I say that with, with a lot of caution because Dallas is an NFC team. PFF has Dallas, I think, is the highest graded team in football. Um, I, you know, I just, I, I just don't like New England. I don't know. I mean, Dallas is probably going to be in the playoffs anyways, and they're probably going to be a threat either way. They're not going to win the NFC, and if, if they're above the Packers, then the Packers aren't going to get a bye anyways because, I mean, that would mean the Packers would have to lose a lot of games. So Dallas isn't really a threat in any real measurable capacity. Other than in the playoffs, which again, they're going to be in the playoffs anyways, more than likely. Because nobody in their division can do anything. Washington is 1-9, and nine, the Giants are 2-8. and eight. Seattle's 5-5, five and five. Dallas is in the lead at 6-4, and four, and they're the best team in the division. So again, beating the Patriots is not going to hurt us. However, the Patriots going down to 8-2 and two would be kind of nice. Especially since the Patriots have had the second easiest schedule of any team in football outside of the Buffalo Bills. The only reason being, the Buffalo Bills have had to pay the, play the Patriots and the Patriots have had to play the Bills. So not only that, I actually expect Dallas to win. And Brady actually has an elbow injury and is questionable to play. He'll probably play, but still, he's questionable. Injured. Even their injury report is regimented. They don't have a single person that's out. They don't have a single person that's that's uh, doubtful. They have 12 people on the report. Every single person on Friday was limited. Every single person is questionable. So <laughs> even their injury reports have to be, like, perfectly in line. I just, this is just... I cannot wait for this team to fall apart. The sooner the better. I'm so over this Patriots thing. Beyond over it. I am unashamedly unashamedly rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's not even close. 
Uh, we'll skip the Packer game for now. On Monday, Baltimore and the Rams. Um, you know, I'll probably root for the Rams just because I'm terrified of the Baltimore Ravens right now. And I, the, the sooner we can figure out how to beat Baltimore, the better. Not sure that L.A. is exactly the team to do that. Um, but, you know, somebody's got to figure something out because, I mean, look, the thing with Lamar is if I had to guess, and somebody just got absolutely skewered for saying this, which I have no idea why. I forget who it even was because I don't really watch those shows, so I don't know these personalities. But the guy basically came out and said, we've seen this before where you have a guy that's got an unorthodox style and he takes over the league and beats everybody and then he gets kind of, people figure out how to beat him and then he's not that good anymore, right? And that's the truth. <laughs> that's just, that's typically how this works. In fact, that's how everything works. The, the, the teams that continually win are teams that continually evolve. Nobody is dominant because they do one thing really well for a long time because the NFL will figure out how to stop that. Lamar's got a very unique style. Teams are going to figure out the best way to try to stop him, contain him. And then it's a matter of can you evolve beyond that. But we got to get to that first point of figuring out how in the world do we stop this team. And there's more to just Lamar. There, there's there's other aspects here. But, I mean, this it's just what makes the team so dangerous, and it's why I want teams to figure out at least the best way to try to slow down or contain the Baltimore Ra- There's By the way, nothing controversial about that. Zero. Other than people like to be offended, like to think everything's controversial because they just can't stop with the nonsense. That is not a controversial statement. That's just knowing the NFL on a very basic level. If you don't know that, you don't know football. You're just trying to be offended. Get a life. So beyond over that. So eventually somebody's going to need to figure out how to slow down these Baltimore Ravens. And not just that, overcome their defense as well. They have a very good defense. Can you imagine, by the way, I had this thought the other day. Can you imagine how good the Ravens would be if they still had Zadarius? Oh, 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 oh my goodness. The Baltimore Ravens with Zadarius Smith. That's just ridiculous. And it's, it's, it's all of a sudden very clear, which, by the way, we have a very good GM. Vikings fans, Bears fans, if you haven't checked out, you want to know what a very good GM is, check out Brian Gutekunst. They, in my mind at the time, wildly overpaid Zadarius Smith because if you look at his production up to that point, he was not worth $17 million a year. You look at what he's doing now, it's a steal. And basically, they, they were willing to pay whatever it would take to get him there. And that's what they did. They said, we will pay whatever it takes to get him here. They offered up, I, th- I think that was about what it is, $17 million a year. And based on the production now, which we talked about, I think, yesterday, um, one of the best pass rushers, I mean, historically, one of the best of all time. I shouldn't say all time. The last, If you look at the top pass rushers and their best years ever, he's kind of operating at that level. Incredible how good he is. And, and, and again, Baltimore with him would be ridiculous. So probably going to be rooting for the Rams. I know you're not supposed to because we're in the, both NFC teams, but again, the Rams, similar to the Dallas Cowboys, are 6-4. and four. They can't surpass the Packers unless the Packers completely fall off, at which point we got bigger problems than the Rams. The Packers have to lose two more games if the Rams win out, just to tie. That's, I mean, that's, that's a nightmare scenario, because then we're going to be behind the Vikings, going to be behind the 49. We're going to be behind a lot of teams. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see Baltimore lose, and I'd like to have somebody kind of map up how to beat them because I think there is a good chance that they are in the Super Bowl. And I I hope that they are. As much as I don't want to play them, just the fact that I know the Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl would be kind of nice. And watching Baltimore destroy the Patriots would be nice. Having to try to beat the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl would be a nightmare, but I'll take my chances. Um, And then finally, obviously, Sunday night tonight, Packers 49ers. I I really don't have much else to say about it. Everything has already been said. Very, very important game. It's not the end-all, be-all. You know, Rodgers laid it out pretty nicely. we got to beat them at their place one time. It's either going to be now or probably later in the playoffs. It's not a guarantee, but, you know, 
the, the, the positive side of that, if you lose, is the fact that very likely they're going to be in the playoffs either way. Even if you're a wild card and you lose the division and all that, at the end of the day, all that matters is get into the playoffs and then just find a way to continue to win. Right? This is about positioning. This is about hopefully you win the division. Hopefully you can get a first-round bye because it just makes the odds of you winning or getting into the Super Bowl and winning it that much higher. But at the end of the day, once you're in the playoffs, it's just it's a new game, man. And the Packers have already done enough pretty much to get in aside from a complete and total collapse. So it is a big game. Uh, beating this, you know, beat the 49ers and you basically wrote your ticket. Um, the, 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 aside from, again, a, co- a complete collapse, the Packers win the division. Because we can lose to the Vikings and still get in the division. So if you beat the 49ers and, and basically win out minus the Vikings game, which is a, a fairly reasonable expectation, you're still going to win the division. Because the Packers and the Vikings will have the same record, but the Packers will win the head-to-head. Or excuse me, it'll be, it'll be tie head-to-head, obviously, because they split. But then the in-division record, the Packers will win because the Vikings lost to the Bears. Which goes to show you how important these divisional games are. It seems like it's not that big of a deal to lose a game to the Bears early in the season. But you can see now how serious that is. The Vikings could very well realistically lose the division race because they lost a, a, a meaningless Bears game. Seemingly meaningless. But anyways, that, that stuff will all you know figure itself out. We'll have a lot more answers at the conclusion of this, this uh, well, tomorrow. Uh, speaking of, I don't know exactly how the podcast is going to go. I hate late games. Um, I'm probably going to be too tired to be doing a podcast after, and I don't think I'm going to be getting up early. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the alarm. If I want to get up, I'll get up. We'll see. But there may not be a podcast tomorrow morning. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, that's about it, man. I know it wasn't super Packers-centric, but I, I've already said everything there is to say about this game. You know, I can't really express the importance, and I don't need to. I think everybody understands how big this game is. And I also think there's a component of trying to, to prove to everybody how good it is, how good the Packers are, because a lot of people just don't buy it. But the same is true for the 49ers. You know, it's, it's a lot of the teams that we've gone through, the Patriots, oh, they're not that good, they haven't played anybody. Seattle, oh, they're not that good, they haven't played anybody. The Saints, ah, they haven't really beat anybody. Yeah, well, that's true of everybody. Because outside of a couple of good teams, there's there's just a lot of mediocre to garbage. So, I don't know. Anyways, is what it is, man. Uh, hang in there. This day is going to drag and the nerves are only going to keep amping up. Find something to occupy your time, occupy your mind. But, um, I don't know. Have a good day, I guess. We'll talk to you hopefully tomorrow. Oh, uh, th- there are... I've got set up several of these, these PM podcasts on this day in history. Or on this day in Packers history. So um, there's going to be several of those, and after this, I'm going to set up a few more. It's just kind of a fun thing. If, if you're interested in that, I'm having a lot of fun listening to them just to see where we were last year. Um, as we get into December, I've got a few episodes from two years ago. I don't know where all my episodes from two years ago in like November and October went. Uh, they might be gone forever. I don't know. But um, we'll be able to start getting episodes from two years ago very soon, so that'll be fun. But it's just a fun way to kind of see where things were and what was going on a year ago or two years ago. So if you want to check that out, be sure to check that out. I'm going to be trying to get those out as regularly as possible. Anyways, now you can have a good day, and I will talk to you maybe tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.